Hello and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey. Roger, earlier this week, we recorded our 400th podcast episode. That's amazing. That's, That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of talking. <laughs> but what, what, a, what a blessing, a blessing, first of all, from this congregation that they support that and they, they are behind us and they encourage us. But what a blessing to our listeners that there's just this mountain of information out there that they can go back to any time, and we hear from so many of our listeners, and and it's just it's just uh, means so much to us personally, and it's just kind of hard to imagine if we started this a couple of years ago and say, okay, we're going to do 400 of them, we'd probably walk out of the room. <laughs> but here it is. Here it is. And like you said, what means the most to me? I mean, I I truly enjoy these conversations with you, but then just the added bonus of knowing that people listen in on these conversations and it makes them think and encourages them, as we say so frequently, gives them a little bit more fuel for their journey. And then they turn around and encourage us. That's just uh, God and his plan for his people is an amazing thing. And we are full of gratitude to be a small part of that. Here in the month of September on Fridays, we are exploring tough sayings of Jesus. And so the first Friday of the month, we went back and we listened in where Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. The second Friday, we talked about when Jesus said on a couple of occasions, very straightforwardly, this person or that person cannot be my disciple. Last Friday, we listened in as he challenged a large group of people, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. That got a lot of people's attention. Today, we want to move maybe to the most well-known phrase in this series. We want to make sure that we understand what it means to turn the other their cheek. Yes, you know, when we talk about tough sayings of Jesus, Jesus didn't, didn't just come down and pat people on the head and say, you're doing a great job, keep going. He, he had an agenda, and he had a, a righteous life and path he wanted us to follow. And the world he came in wasn't doing that. And so he would say some incredible things that, that were deemed tough sayings. And so that's what we're kind of looking at this month. You know, the, the great uh, writer Mark Twain once said, uh, what bothers him about the Bible is not what it said, doesn't say, but what it does say. <laughs> and that's true. And so, so today our, our attention turns to Matthew chapter five. This is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at verses 39 through 43, where we find this statement here. Matthew chapter 9, and, and actually we're going to go back to verse 38, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And that, that comes straight from the law of Moses. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to turn the other to him as also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. 
Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And so within that, we see in verse 39 that little expression, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him. Turn the other cheek. Now, in our times today, that certainly is not practiced much. Uh, about every other commercial on night TV is, if you've been in a car accident, call <laughs> this attorney and we're going to sue. Uh, sue you, sue you is, is the spirit of the moment anymore. And we've seen, uh, how our culture sometimes handles things they don't agree with. They, they turn to riots, they turn to anger, they turn to hatred. The words of Jesus here simply seem to be forgotten. And we need to realize as followers of Jesus, this is what God wants us to do. We're not to keep up with what's popular. We're not to keep up with the lifestyle of society, but we're to follow the righteous steps of Jesus. So he begins with this statement in 38 that, that's taken from the book of Exodus, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if you knocked out my tooth, I could knock out your tooth. The problem with that getting even is you never actually ever get even. You never do. Uh, somebody backs into your car and say, okay, I'm going to go back into his car. Well, the damage is never exactly the same. The element of surprise is never the same. And, and so you never get even. And, and what happens is you have two damaged people. Uh, the great Indian philosopher, uh, Gandhi said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth leaves you blind and toothless. And that doesn't help anything. So, so Jesus is, is going from that. From that statement from Exodus, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but he says, I say to you, and that, that's a dominant theme throughout Matthew chapter 5, you've heard or here's what the law says, but I'm taking it to the next level. And I'm taking it not just to the externals, but now the internals. And so he says, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, Jason immediately what comes to my mind is that just doesn't seem fair, yeah. and it seems like I'm allowing someone to take advantage of me. Well, and I, I appreciate you bringing up this idea of fairness, because I do think it's important to highlight uh, that phrase, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that shows up in Exodus, it shows up in Leviticus, shows up in Deuteronomy. It was revolutionary for that point in human history where the strong would get away with just about whatever they wanted to, the weak were often taken advantage of, and God, as he is fashioning these liberated slaves into a, a nation is talking about equity, fairness, right? That, that you can't just treat someone however you want to be or however you would like to treat them and, and get away with it. But Jesus is stretching us in his Sermon on the Mount. First of all, he's highlighting I know this is what Moses told you. I know what the law of Moses that you have heeded for so many generations says, but I say to you. Now, <laughs> the, the first thing maybe that that makes me think of is, well, who is this carpenter from Nazareth to talk that way? And... Of course, that's what so many of the, so much of the gospels is all about answering this question. Who is this man? And this man who is teaching these things is not simply interested in what is fair. Uh, 
right? He, he started stretching us up in Matthew 5.21 by talking about anger and lust and divorce and oaths and He is really getting to the heart of the matter, that it is not simply a matter of doing outwardly some religious or some quote-unquote fair things, but having a rotten heart on the inside. What Jesus is doing is trying to get our hearts aligned. You and I talked about that this past Wednesday based on your sermon, The Path of Integrity. The the sad truth is I can perform religious deeds and have a heart that is out of alignment with God. I can worship God and be out of alignment with God based on the way those uh, who are created in his image, the, the way that I treat them. And so I would suggest, first of all, Jesus is stretching us to get below the surface. Let's talk about what's going on in your heart. And, you know, so radical were these teachings as, as Matthew 7 ends the Sermon on the Mount, it says, when he finished these words, a crowd were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so this is new stuff for them, and this is going to be hard stuff for them. And it's hard for us as well. And really what's underlining some of these is two parallel avenues. One is how we treat other people. And then secondly, how do we respond the way people treat us? And, and those are really two major themes that, that really come out of the Sermon on the Mount is, is how we treat other people. And God has an expectation for that. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, where we think of what we call the golden rule, it illustrates that. You don't just treat people the way they treat you. You know, someone's been nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You're mean to me, I'm going to be mean to you. You don't like me, I'm going to defend you on Facebook. I mean, that's, that's the way the world operates. Jesus says you treat them the way you would like to be treated. Whether they ever do that or not is not the issue. This is the way you are to be. You're to take the initiative. And so how we treat others is something so important. But now in this immediate setting, he's talking about now, here's somebody who is treating us not in a nice way. And here's somebody who has slapped me on my cheek. Here's somebody who wants to sue and take my coat. Here's somebody who's forcing me to go a mile. Uh, How am I supposed to respond? And that's kind of where he's driving at here. Yeah, so let's put ourselves back in first century Galilee where this sermon is being preached. Uh, Let's start with the mile idea. We know that these people were under the thumb of the Roman Empire who would have mile markers, right? There are still mile markers in that part of the world that remain from the ancient world, these white stones where a Roman soldier would have every legal right to approach, let's say, a Jew who lives in Galilee and say, hey, Jew, I want you to carry my backpack for the next mile. And as a subject of Rome, 
according to Roman law, I had no choice. If I want to keep my life and keep the peace, I'm expected to stop what I'm doing and pick up that soldier's backpack and carry it a mile. Now, you you better believe that the average person, I'm guessing myself included, would have, okay, I'm going to pay really close attention to where that mile marker is, and as soon as I have performed my duty, I'm going to drop that bag and I'm going to walk away. Here is Jesus saying, if someone forces you to go one mile, go two. Why do you think he would say that? Well, he, he's showing you to go out of your way. Do what's not expected. You're going to go above and beyond the call of duty. You're going to be generous. And what's running this is not you're being compelled to do. No one compels you to go the second mile. The Roman soldier cannot force you. If you say, no, I'm not going to do it, he had no recourse. Now, if he tells you to go the first mile and you say no, well, you could find yourself in a Roman jail. You're in trouble. Absolutely. But the second mile, that's up to you. And Jesus said, that's what we're going to do. Now, that would be shocking for that soldier. That would be shocking for your fellow Jews. Why would you do that? Because it's the nice thing to do. It's what the Lord wants me to do. It's going out of my way for someone else. And it ultimately causes light to be shown, right? This is very shortly after Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. And I think what he's making clear here in Matthew 5 is those who love you and those who don't. Those who are on your side and those who don't. Those who are your fellow Jews and those who are not. Those who are disciples of mine and those who are not. The goal is that they would see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And you can imagine that first century audience who heard this. They were probably shaking their heads and what in the world? This man cannot be the Messiah. The Messiah is going to give us deliverance from Rome, and this man's telling us to go out of the way and help Rome. And that that is just totally something that the people would not want to do. You can't force me to do that. I should not have to do that. And Jesus says, this is what my people are going to do. All right. So what about the slap on the cheek? Well, I think what Jesus is trying to say there, uh, you know, someone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. It's going to end with you. Uh, whatever that, you know, somebody doesn't slap you on your cheek, uh, because they like you. Uh, there, there's been a disagreement. Uh, something insulting has been said. Somebody has an issue with you. And so they've slapped you. And rather than you raising a fist and slugging them back, now we have a battle. We have a war. And who knows who's going to, who's going to win that? Jesus said, no, you're going to stand there and you're going to turn the other cheek and let him slap that. And what that is, is this ends us. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to get even. I'm not going to fight you back. This this disagreement ends, and it ends with me. It sounds a lot like what the Apostle Paul would write to Christians. I don't think it's an accident in 
Rome when he says in Romans 12 and verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. He says in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Roger, I think especially verse 18 is what you've pointed us to. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It takes two people to have an argument. I mean, you know, you never see somebody sitting on the couch at home by himself having an argument with himself. <laughs> that doesn't happen, okay? <laughs> that person's got some problems if he does. He, you know, we, it takes another person to have an argument with, and it takes another person to have a fight with. And so if the other person is unwilling to argue, they're unwilling to fight, they're unwilling to push the buttons, then it ends, and that's what Jesus is trying to say. Interesting in this Roman 12 passage, he would say in verse 17, never pay back evil for evil. Slapping someone's kind of evil. That's an act of violence. In, in our times today, you could probably get arrested for assault. Even though it's just a slap, you'd probably get arrested for that. Uh, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. And then this section ends in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil. Jesus is saying now, people may treat you evil, but you're not going to be evil. They may be evil to you, but you will not be evil back. And so turning the cheek, that's hard. That's hard. Now let's let's put some uh, leather to this. And let's talk about some practical applications, Jason. What, what does this look like? All right. So someone talks about me behind my back and it gets it makes its way back to me and I find out okay this person was one way with me Sunday morning you you talked with us just this past Sunday morning about the path of integrity and how James makes this practical by saying listen you can't sing praises to God with the same tongue that you tear down someone created in God's image. And so I find out, all right, someone has been talking about me behind my back. What do I do then? Do I take the approach of, well, if they want to start this, boy, do I have some material that I can share on them. I'm going to go ahead and let people know exactly what sort of person this is. Or... Do I follow Jesus in aligning with a higher standard? It's almost immediately after he gives us this tough saying in Matthew 5 that he emphasizes in verse 48, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus is the model of someone who was slandered, and did not slander in return. What would you add? Well, you know, and, and the same thing, especially on social media. I mean, that's that's where the real dogfights happen. Uh, somebody posts something, you don't agree with it, and, and then here comes the comments. And the comments are very negative. You especially see this if somebody posts something political. And out comes every nasty, ugly thing that can ever be said. And it, it just turns into a dogfight. And I think this about you, and I think this about you. And it just gets real mean with each other. Uh, that's some of the applications the Lord here is talking about. Now, where it leads to 
and and this is this is the hard, this is why this is listed as a hard saying. Where this leads to in the next chapter, Matthew chapter six, it leads to the subject of forgiveness. Somebody has hurt me. Somebody has done something to me. Now, what I do not do is slap them back. That's the negative. You don't do that. But what I'm supposed to do, the positive, Matthew 6, I'm supposed to forgive them. So here in Matthew 6, and it's found within this prayer, and we we commonly hear the world calling it the Lord's Prayer. Um, The Lord taught this. There's no example that he actually prayed this. There's a line in here he would not have prayed. He would not have prayed about his own transgressions because he was sinless. So this is more of a model or an example of how to pray. But in this, he says in Matthew 6 and verse 13, or 12 and 13, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, well, what's that look like, Jason? Yeah. If, I, if I do not forgive somebody, What's that look like? Well, we have parables where Jesus illustrates that someone who fails to recognize how much grace they have received from God, someone, let, let's revisit the person who has been caught saying something about me behind my back, and and they humble themselves, they come to me as difficult as that is, and they say, listen, I was in the wrong. I should not have done that. They're in the process of asking for my forgiveness, and I just explode on them and say, you have no idea, and I just go off not recognizing. As Jesus is leading me to recognize in Matthew 6, listen, how many times have I used my mouth to tear someone down, to share something that shouldn't have been shared, to make fun of someone? How much forgiveness do I need? How revolutionary would it be if I follow that model of God? Would you please forgive me and not just stop right there? You know, that's the easy thing to do. God, please forgive me of my sins. But Jesus teaches us to pray, please forgive us as we forgive our own debtors. That's the mind shift that that needs to happen. I need forgiveness, therefore I am going to extend that forgiveness to others. And, and he would say in Matthew 6, 15, if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgression. That, yeah. That's a serious thing. So what we find with turning the other cheek is two things. Number one, I'm not to retaliate. It should stop with me. That's one thing. But then the other thing, the positive thing, I should forgive. And you think about past political uh, elections and all the things being said on Twitter and all the hateful things. You think about the the atmosphere of our culture right now where there, there's so much anger and people are so quick to to point the finger at others and to blame others and, and just to get so ugly with each other. This spirit is what disciples should have. This is going to be noticeable in our community. This is going to be noticeable at workplaces when people are kind of toxic and man, you know, dog eat dog and that concept, but you're turning the cheek. You're forgiving. You're giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. Those are principles that really are going to let the light shine because it is so dark in this one area about relationships. 
Yeah, I I love maybe to to summarize how the Apostle Paul in First Corinthians thirteen emphasizes that love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. We live in a culture where this dog eat dog devouring one another. We, we see people get hyped up and excited and energized by wrongdoing, just being exchanged back and forth. The, the uglier my opponent is, the uglier I'm going to be. And we've got a, a whole culture that is cheering everybody on as people just roll around in the mud and the muck of sin. That is not love. Love rejoices with the truth and a lot of that is going to revolve around allowing that truth to reshape my heart to be a kingdom citizen the way Jesus is calling me to in Matthew chapter 5. So turning the other cheek is a choice. It's a choice that we have to make and it's not something that someone's going to do for you. So someone has slapped you physically, emotionally, spiritually, verbally, lots of different ways that slap can happen to us. And it stings. I mean, if you've ever been slapped, it stings. It hurts. Right then, you have choices to make. Do I get right back in their face? Do I try to defend myself? Do we get in the mud and just get at it? Or do I turn the cheek, let it end, and then forgive the person? Tough, tough sayings of Jesus. But ones that he modeled, right? When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he was threatened, he did not threaten in return, but kept entrusting himself to the Father in heaven who judges justly. That is a challenging teaching but one that I needed. And Roger, I appreciate you joining me for the discussion. We appreciate all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our conversation has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Lord willing, we have one more tough saying of Jesus that we'll look at next Friday. In the meantime, always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.